Hello, welcome back, saddies. Welcome to Sad Girl Energy with Bria Hebert. I'm your host, Bria Hebert. I've said it once, let's say it again. This is the podcast where we're busy doing sad girl shit. I wanted to add a little bit of an update. I'm just gonna jump right in. I'm feeling like it, I'm feeling hot. I wanted to add some stuff to our list of sad girl behavior, right? I haven't updated it in a while, so I figured I would do it. Sad girl shit, first edition. Showering three times a day, but always having greasy hair. I'm not going to say anything else. There will be no further questions. Number two, having a junk drawer next to your bed that you put everything you don't want to deal with in. Number three, constantly complaining that you're cold but never dressing appropriately for the weather. And number four, wishing Tumblr was still a thing but being afraid of ever logging into your old account. I hope you're doing okay. I hope your week's been okay. The energy is weird out there right now. I am not one to blame astrology. Like honestly, I have been exercising. I've been going to bed earlier. I've been drinking less coffee. I've been eating healthy. I've been journaling. I've been regularly going to therapy, taking my medication on time, and I feel awful. So this cannot be my fault. I'm doing everything right. Obviously, there's something cosmically wrong that wants me to be sad and emotional all the time. I'm blaming astrology. It's the only explanation. There's going to be a full moon on Saturday. Apparently, that's supposed to bring us back to peace. So if you've had a rough week, you are not alone. I've wanted to claw out my eyeballs 11 out of the 12 hours a day I've been awake. The planets are the only explanation that makes sense. Sometimes you just have to start believing in astrology to maintain your saneness. And I know that sounds counterintuitive, but it's not. And I would rather be the planet's fault than the fact that the universe is a cruel and unfair place. Sad girl shit of the week. This week, it is nostalgic childhood snacks. I had a wagon wheel this week and it was like serotonin in a bite. Like my mom never bought these for us as kids. She would always make us eat a handful of almonds or like an apple. I honestly still get physically angry when someone suggests that I have a piece of fruit as a snack. Like my body is actually tensing up right now. No 12 year old wants almonds. If you crave almonds in elementary school, you should see a doctor. That's not normal. I would always have to trade snacks with the kids that would get like juice boxes and sun chips and fruit gushers like you know your friends had a bad day when you go over to their house and you get there and they have all of their favorite childhood snacks laying on the floor okay I just got distracted for like 15 minutes I have no idea what I was doing I just stopped recording and then didn't restart I discovered that there is such thing as the sad girl theory we have to talk about it there's an Instagram feminist activist and artist named Audrey Wolin, and basically she has the theory that the sadness of girls should be recognized as an act of resistance. It's the proposal that the sadness of girls should be witnessed and rehistoricized as an act of resistance and political protest. Girls being sad has been categorized as an act of passivity and therefore discounted from the history of activism. Wolin's sad girl theory can be considered an academic response to the liberal feminist idea that views women as the makers of their own success. Wolin states that feminists need to acknowledge that being a woman in a patriarchal society inevitably is difficult and related to oppression and suffering. Therefore, it is necessary to view the sadness of girls and women as an appropriate 
appropriate and informed reaction to patriarchal structures. Sad Girl Theory is a criticism of liberal ideals of womanhood that depict the successful feminists as famous, rich, and happy. This idea functions as a second oppression that implies that women who are not happy are responsible for the failure of their own emancipation. That's the part that I really, really liked and that resonated with me. And like, look, if you're a white woman, being sad is not the only act of resistance you should do. You need to educate yourself, put your money where your mouth is, uplift other voices, and not put yourself at the center of every narrative. But I think it is really interesting to look at this link between femininity and passivity and the fact that women are seen and categorized as being more passive when often something as simple as the way we walk through the world can be an act of resistance. Or like crying. I think that crying is such an empowering thing. I hate it when people uh, won't take you seriously if you're being emotional. It feels very gaslighty, like huge, huge red flag. I should start compiling lists so that I can have a full list of all my red flags as well as all my sad girl tips. Why is crying such a taboo? Crying in front of others is like literally the most freeing feeling. It's terrifying, but also so cathartic. It's a visual cue that allows you to show that you're upset. It's like a physical manifestation of your emotions. Crying is kind of wild, actually. Now that I think about it that way, it's like your body being like, this is how sad I am. I'm so sad that I'm leaking. There's water coming out of my body because my body's producing tears and my body can't keep all the tears inside. So they literally have to escape through my eyeballs. That is a completely legitimate scientific explanation of crying. Let's put this theory of the sad girl into a real life situation. It's like when you're at work and someone says something creepy or inappropriate to you and you have to just pretend like it's fine and move along with your day. Like no, sad girl theory says, I should be allowed to feel sad. I should be allowed to feel hurt. I should be allowed to feel discontent with the fact that society exists in a way that allows people to humiliate or discriminate against me at my job. I'm going to feel the way I feel as an act of resistance against this type of behavior towards me. Or it's like when you have your period and you have cramps and you're in a bad mood and you're tired and you're in pain. Like, no, I'm not going to pretend like everything's okay. It is crazy to me that an egg literally falls out of a woman's body once a month and we have to pretend like that is normal and fine and just go on with our days like everything's cool. The fact that I could literally be throwing up, my cramps are so bad, but I can't get a day off of work for that. Like, have you ever asked a man with a common cold to do something? Oh my gosh. You would think that an asteroid just hit the earth. Also, I love that this theory critiques the girl boss narrative. Look, I think the idea of a girl boss is great, but in practicality, it is peak white feminism because it doesn't take into account the fact that there are women out there who are not just discriminated based on their gender, they're also discriminated against based on the color of the skin or their religious affiliation or disabilities. You can't just put women in a male-dominated environment and claim equality. You need to disrupt the institutional policies that allowed it to become a male-dominated environment. Just like you can't put people of color in a historically white environment, 
environment and claim that that's diversity. It is not. In both cases, that's not a solution to the problem. Also, like I'm not pretending like this is some revolutionary thought I've just had. This is something that's been discussed in discourse for a very long time and especially by academics and activists from marginalized groups and communities. But the reason that these concepts are problematic is because they uphold the same supremacy, whether it's white supremacy or the patriarchy, that created the problem. So you're not actually fixing anything. And that's what people are critiquing when they critique this idea that if you simply put more women or more people of color in a particular workplace, uh, that's diversity, that's inclusion, that fixes the problem. It's kind of like pouring more water in a cup that's cracked, like the cup is going to get full. It's just going to keep leaking. And this is not to say that you should not diversify your workplace. You absolutely should. More people need to be given opportunity from groups that have been underrepresented in specific fields. But it needs to be done in a genuine way with a plan to make sure that those individuals are not traumatized at their workplace. Fundamental structural change needs to happen as well as building workplaces or, you know, clubs and organizations that are supportive and will allow for people to flourish and not force them to be educators for people and do emotional labor. And also the girl boss narrative just totally feeds into capitalism. And I would argue that a lot of companies fake diversity and inclusion plans also negate the fact that capitalism harms people of color and marginalized communities and historically has led to their oppression, which is just another reason that we hate capitalism. This is all to say that next time you have to pay more for a product because it's targeted to women or marketed to women, yes, that is a real thing. If you didn't know that, I suggest you read about it. Or the next time a stranger makes an unsolicited comment about your appearance or what you're wearing. Or the next time a guy insults you on a dating app, cry and remember that being sad is an act of resistance. Being sad about these things means that you are actively disagreeing with the structures within society that continue to oppress women. You're not going to pretend like it's okay because it's not. It's like cosmopolitan feminism. 101 tricks to make your man lose his mind in bed. I want a list of 101 responses for sexist comments that will make a man uncomfortable because I am too tired and too sad to politely point out these things anymore. Not doing it. I refuse to cater to men's feelings. It's not worth my time or my energy. I'm going to continue talking about these things and exploring sad girl theory in this podcast. Don't worry, we will talk about this more. I've honestly had a week where I have not wanted to do the things I know I need to do to feel better, but I have forced myself to do them because in my mind, if I do them now, I will not have to do them later. And when lockdown is over, I'll just be able to be fun, hot, and free. Which I know isn't true. You have to continue to do work on yourself in order to be the best version of yourself. But this is the mental gymnastics I play with my own mind to convince myself to do things I don't want to do. Honestly, get it out now. Be ready. Like, do all the meditation. Take all the vitamins now. Read all the books now. Do all the deathbed exercises so that you can go party later. So you don't have to do any work on yourself later on. Just finish it now. Don't put it off because then you're going to miss out on fun. Okay, I'm really excited to do this. I said I was going to do themed episodes. So this week we are talking deathbed exercises. They're kind of a therapy thing, 
basically they're aimed at getting you to evaluate your life and there are two that I do and I would really recommend them. I would say it's something you can do like twice a year to make sure that you're on track with your goals and you're living in a way that feels like true and authentic to you and who you are and who you want to be. I'm honestly someone who is so bad at seeing the bigger picture. I focus on small details and get fixated on them and then I find that these exercises get me out of that and they actually help me stay focused. They're heavy, just a warning. Like you can't casually do this after a morning meeting or while you're on your lunch break. So set some time aside if this is something you want to do. Maybe you just want to hear me talk about it and that is totally cool too. I always give myself the afternoon after, like I take off the afternoon. I mean I take off every day at this point but I do that because I know I'm gonna cry when I do this. I get very emotional. As I said, like I'm always emotional. My emotions take me on a roller coaster and I I am just a passenger on this ride who is blindfolded so they have no idea what's coming next. That's what it feels like to live with my emotions. So you're going to do this in two parts. The first one is more about your relationship with yourself and that's why I like to do that one first and start with that. What you're going to do is write a deathbed thank you note and you're going to want to thank your younger self for showing up every day that led to this state of peace and fulfillment that you're feeling on your deathbed for making choices to act with integrity and for caring for your well-being. So this is a type of gratitude practice and gratitude practices are usually about the present. So like if you have a gratitude journal, you'll list every day things that you're grateful for. But this is more of a forward-looking gratitude practice. So how could you be thankful for things that haven't happened yet? What would that even mean? And in the episode description for this one, I'm going to link the website that I first discovered this on and some of the prompts that they use and kind of how they explain it. So these are some prompt words that you can use. So you can use, you start with thank you for, and then you can use these words um, to help guide you. So thank you for choosing, being, having, acting, showing up, stopping, starting, continuing, and remembering. So you're writing a deathbed thank you note to yourself. Like I said, you're going to picture yourself on your deathbed. You've had a long life. You're at peace. You're not in pain. You're not sick. You're not suffering. You're satisfied with the life you've lived. Honestly, I think this is the hardest part is just imagining that. Everything else after that, once you're able to do that, that's hard. Everything else is easy. In this life, which seems almost impossible, you've lived according to the morals and principles that are important to you. You became the best version of yourself. You worked on yourself. You made difficult decisions. You prioritized the things you valued and you accomplished the things you wanted to accomplish. And you were able to deal with different challenges that you may have been presented with. So you're at peace with yourself. So you're going to meditate on those things for a while. Picture it. Envision it. Maybe Beyonce is there. Maybe Beyonce is there with you, right? You're on your deathbed. It's you, Beyonce. Turns out you and Beyonce become best friends at a certain point in your life. And she's there with you. And you know that you're best friends. She's your best friend. You're her best friend. And you can die peacefully because you know that no one else in Beyonce's circle of friends will ever compare to you. 
try to approach it with that level of peace and that level of confidence, honestly. And then you're going to get a notebook or a journal or a piece of paper, a pen. You can even type it up on a Google Doc or put it in a note on your phone. You're going to write a thank you note to your current self from the perspective of you on your deathbed. The goal is for your future self to be happy and fulfilled with how you've approached this period of time in your life. And that's why I think that this is a really good thing to do when you're at a crossroads or you're experiencing a lot of change. It can kind of help you make sense of that. You can be like, these are my goals. Is the way I'm living right now compatible with those goals? And if not, what can I change to make those things more in alignment? I'm going to read off a bunch of other prompts of things that you can write about. So you can write down what you're proud of. What decisions did you make? Uh, Were they hard to make? Why were they hard to make? Why did you make those decisions despite how hard they were? What actions did you take? What did you choose to prioritize? Did you prioritize your work? Did you prioritize family, friends, eating healthy, stand-up, toxic men, or my favorite, toxic men in stand-up? How did you approach your days? What philosophies guided you in life? How did you put yourself in your relationship? Who did you spend time with? What opportunities did you pursue? What sacrifices did you make? What is genuine and authentic to you in your heart? So you're going to start by reviewing your life. So what are you glad and sad about in terms of your work life, your relationships, your charitable efforts, your hobbies? Does any of that make you want to make any changes right now? Whenever I do this exercise, there are multiple things that I want to change. But also, don't be mean to yourself because then you're not going to want to do the exercise and then you're not going to get anything out of it. This exercise is honestly so effective because it allows you to envision what you want to be, what you want to achieve and do, and you're basically using the end to make sense of the beginning. It allows you to see a big picture and take a step back and reorient yourself and not get so stuck on the short term. It's a really good way to plan and set goals, and honestly, it can also be a wake-up call like if you sit there and you realize look I'm way farther away from where I wanted to be than I thought I was that's scary but it's also important because some people literally never have that moment or that realization and it also allows you to trust yourself and have confirmation that you know what you want you know who you are and you know who you want to be and part of being kinder to yourself is learning to trust yourself this can be a really good exercise to build trust with yourself the first time I did this exercise I realized oh I don't trust myself at all which is like really messed up but also kind of makes sense like obviously I can't trust myself I once got blonde highlights and bangs in the same year it was an absolute disaster so the second exercise is conversations with others again you're gonna sit and meditate and reflect and honestly I am so bad at meditating it is actually painful for me to do it's not relaxing it's the complete opposite of what it should be but I am so committed to getting better at it that I'm gonna continue to do it even though honestly I've never felt more unsettled than when I'm trying to relax and meditate like there's something about knowing I should be relaxed but not being relaxed that makes the experience experience so unsettling for me but I digress so you're going to envision your last conversations with the ones you love family friends partner pets what would you say to them what would you want them to know what would you want them to remember I find that this exercise is very effective in letting things go like forgiveness is something I'm working on 
I'm not great at it. I am getting better, but I've realized that, okay, if this isn't important enough to bring up in my last moments of life, it's probably okay to let go of it. I'm not suggesting you don't feel your emotions. Some things you won't get over, that's okay too. Sometimes you just have to learn to live with certain things, but some things you do have to let go of in order to move forward. It's hard to do, but I'm working on it and I will probably honestly be working on it forever. Like honestly, I'm not over Billy Bob Thornton and Angelina Jolie. Like I can't believe that happened. I still haven't recovered. I don't know if I ever will. Because healing and growth is not linear. Although honestly, how nice would it be if it was? Like if it was just different levels you had to reach and then once you completed a level, you would like move to the next level and all the feelings from the level below would disappear and heal. Ugh, that would be amazing. But then it would turn healing into competition, which probably wouldn't be healthy in itself. I'm going to stop analyzing this because it's probably just going to turn into some circular thing that I'll never be able to escape. But you're going to write down notes about those conversations and associate things you want to let go of and set as a focus. Again, same process. You sit there, you meditate when you feel ready, you think about each individual conversation, and you write down notes. And then... Imagine that the person who knows you best is by your bedside. What might that person say to you if they are honest? What would you say to that person? And what would you ask that person? Does that make you want to change anything about how you're living your life? Lastly, what would your last wish be? Could you get that now or could you get that soon? I feel like this is kind of coming in hot. I'm like, okay guys, welcome. Hope you've had a good week. I know things are weird, but guess what we're going to do? We're going to envision our own death. Now, I am going to guide you through a deathbed exercise. Okay, so get comfortable. You're going to lay on your bed, preferably surrounded by 8 to 10 pillows if possible. 2 will do. 5 is ideal but I'll let you use personal discretion. Get under the covers. You want to feel warm. You want to feel cocooned in the process of leaving the earth. You want to feel the same squishy feeling you felt entering the earth through your mom's canal. I don't know why I went there, but I did. So we're just going to keep moving forward because in life, you can't go backwards. See, it's all connected. Everything makes sense now. I guess unless you're a c-section baby anyways you're gonna think about your life think about the person you are right now think about the person you wish you were think about people that are better than you people that are worse than you think about your annoying neighbor think about your ex think about your best friend Think about that time you stole your mom's lipstick and you pretended to help her look for it even though you knew exactly where it was and it was hiding in one of your drawers. Think about those shoes that you borrowed from your sister and that you never returned because they're really cute and they look really good on you. You have so many outfits that you can wear them with and you know they won't really miss them because they've already gone this long without them. Think of those shoes. Think about your best qualities. What are they? Think about your worst qualities. How do you ignore them? 
think about how maybe your worst qualities are actually your best qualities. Think about how it's probably unlikely that you don't have any worst qualities. Think about the happiest moment in your life. Now, think about the saddest moment in your life. Think about the time you laughed the hardest. What about the time you cried the hardest? Think about the moments where you just felt content. When did you feel satisfied? Think about your goals. Did you achieve them? Did you almost get there? Did you abandon a goal and then start a new goal like I did when I abandoned my career in politics and instead started doing comedy? Do you ever think about how you could be a lawyer if you worked for the government or studied for your LSATs? You could have a nice job and extended health insurance and you could probably afford new glasses, but instead you're a stand-up comic who is guiding someone through a fake deathbed exercise. Think about that. Think about that and maybe you'll feel better about your life. Think about any other people, places, or things that are important to you. Take three deep breaths, piss your pants, kiss the sky, and say, Mamma Mia! And now you've completed your deathbed exercise. Thank you so much. That was weird, but I had fun. I hope that's what you're saying inside your brain right now. Okay, this is the image I have for you. This is what I want you to imagine. If you feel comfortable, if you feel ready, if you feel that you're in the right place to do a deathbed exercise. Okay, we're in the future. Think of how good, how good that cocktail's gonna taste. That you're enjoying at a bar surrounded by your friends. When you spent this time working on your attachment style. Trust me, it is going to taste as sweet as cutting out toxic men. Honestly, that's why I encourage you to do this because you could learn something through this exercise that could help you improve your quality of life when this is over. Maybe it's something about your work. Maybe it's something about the type of relationships you attract. Maybe you could learn something about your strengths and friendships. Anyways, knowing yourself better is something that's good and it's something we should all try to do and this exercise can help us accomplish that. I had a revelation this week. I realized why everyone that lives out west loves living out west and it's not because it has a better pace of life or because the air is fresher or because the weather is better. It's because there are more places to scream. That's all it is. Here, you can scream in a forest, and you have lots of forests to choose from. You will never run out of forest to scream in. You have oceanfront, water. You can scream out into that. You can scream underwater if you want to. And there is a lot of water here. Tons of coastline. And I'm talking real ocean, not that lake shit that's in Toronto. You can scream on mountains. Again, lots of mountains, very high mountains. No one will hear you. Toronto, New York, not a lot of private space to scream. Virtually no good views in Toronto when it comes to places to scream. Here, you have a bad day. You just walk into your nearest forest, 
let out a couple screams, walk back home. I did that multiple times this week. One time, the first time, of course, I didn't venture into a full forest. I just went to a small forest near my house, which was my mistake. And at that point, I realized that I could definitely never do this in Toronto because this forest was like bigger than any forest in Toronto that's like within walking distance obviously like I'm not gonna get into my car to scream in a forest it has to be within walking distance and I started screaming and then uh, two old women in a walking duo saw me slash heard me walked past me and it was so awkward and I just Gave them a weird smile, but they couldn't even see the smile because I had my mask on. And then they just looked at each other and continued walking. And I have a feeling that they will never walk in that forest again. But that means one less duo to worry about. So maybe it can be my go-to screaming forest. Like, if I have to get on the bus to go scream in the forest, it just feels too far, feels too disconnected from nature. It's got to be somewhere accessible and nearby. That's how to optimize screaming time. Okay, a couple announcements. There is not going to be an episode next week. I am going to take one week off because we're coming back with something exciting, which I am going to wait to say anything else, but I promise you it will be worth it. It will be worth the week off, and then that way people will get a chance to catch up on episodes because I know a couple people have messaged me saying they're a little bit behind, so no need to worry. So because there's no new episode next week, I will finally post a poll for more Ask a Like or Anything questions. I might do some themes so like what are your questions for Allegra about being financially savvy what are your questions for Allegra about personal grooming what are your questions for Allegra about cooking but yeah I just wanted to make a quick note of that so that no one was weirded out by the fact that there won't be a new episode okay I'm also realizing and having a flashback that way at the beginning of the podcast I'm talking like a couple minutes in I think I said the word saneness instead of sanity so I have to correct myself anyways thank you so much for listening I appreciate it so much I hope you're enjoying the podcast I'm really enjoying doing it if you haven't already follow me on instagram follow me on twitter i'm going to link my socials in the description rate the podcast review the podcast that's super appreciated share it with a friend someone you think that would enjoy it that would also mean a ton and just thank you so much for listening okay bye